John chapter 3. John chapter 3. Just one verse I'd like to read here. John chapter 3. I'm going to read verse number 16. John 3 and verse number 16 says this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. There are just a few words here, six words, that I'd like to emphasize to you tonight. So we look at this verse. Number one, I want to look at the word God. Number two, I'd like to look at the word loved. Number three, I'd also like to look at the word son. I'd also like to look at the word believe. I'd like to look, look at the word perish. And finally, I'd like to look at this word eternal, everlasting. John chapter 3 and verse number 16 is the junction in the Bible where all the great truths of the Bible come in. I have the privilege to drive through the great, beautiful city of Dallas, Texas, and anybody who's been there or driven through, you'll see that there's a massive spaghetti-like structure around the downtown core of the city, and that's just their highway system. I come from a very simple city where the highway does not go through our downtown. Well, you go through Dallas, you see the city in the middle, and you see highways going here and going there, and they crisscross, and they come together, and it's all confusing, but they're all going to one simple place. All these roads are leading to one central location. And if you can think of all the truths in the Bible that you can possibly have in your mind, all the truths that we find in revealed scripture, every single one of them will come back to this verse because this is the center. This is the place where all of God's truth finds its, well, you could say it finds its repository in one simple little place, one verse. Some people call it that chestnut that is the gospel. They call it the acorn of the gospel. It is that place where you see the great truth of who God is. It's a place where you're going to see who the Son is. You'll see about God's love. You'll see about what life truly is. You will see what salvation is. So as you sit in your chair tonight, pay attention to the Word of God. One simple little verse that could change your life. One simple little verse that will give you the information you need to trust God, to have a relationship with him, to be saved. John 3.16 begins with one word, and that is the word God. I know there's a word right before it, but this is the most important word right at the beginning of the verse. God. Why is that? Because the gospel begins with God himself. There is no salvation without God. There is no salvation without looking to the one who created you, who created this world. So the verse starts this way. God, God himself. If you're not saved tonight, I'd like to ask you one simple thing. As you listen to these words, as you listen to these messages preached to you, pay attention to what God is saying to you tonight. Pay attention to what God has elucidated and what he has explained in this very simple verse. This is God himself speaking to you. God's own words straight from his mouth to your mind and we trust straight to your heart. God himself is the author of salvation. But I don't want to just speak about this 
unique actor. I want to look at the second word. It says here that God so loved the world. He loved the world. When we think of the world, there's a lot of ways that God could have reacted with respect to the world. When God sees this world as I see it, God should have acted, at least I would say, God could have acted with hatred towards this world. And God could have seen you and he could have seen me. And as he looks into our hearts, he could have looked at us with disdain and he could have even rejected us. But the verse says something very specific. It says, God so loved the world. One of the troubles that we have in our day is that this word love, it doesn't really make sense to a lot of people. When we think of the word love, a lot of times what it really is, is the word lust. You know what's one of the results of lust in this world that I've seen and perhaps you've seen as well all throughout the United States of America, all throughout Canada where I come from, throughout Mexico where I've lived for many years? It's this problem, lust being confused with love, which results in this broken homes. Did you know that one of the greatest problems in America tonight is the lack of a father in the home? The lack of a true father in the home. And what that has produced is broken homes and broken hearts and broken people on their way to hell. That's not love. When you think of the word love, don't think of those examples. Maybe there's somebody in the meeting tonight and you've had an experience like that. You've seen that in your own family. You've heard of people. It's been close to you. You have friends who suffer from something similar. Fathers who are not there, who are showing lust, but they do not show love. This says that God so loved the world. It doesn't say that God had lust towards the world. It says that he loved the world. It is God the Father. God himself He showed love toward us. And what he's doing is not producing broken homes. What happens when the gospel comes into your life is that it it mends a broken home. It mends those broken relationships. And primarily the broken relationship that you have between you and God himself. When God comes in and he shows his love, he's showing us the opposite of what we deserve. We deserve judgment. We deserve condemnation. I want to tell you tonight that I deserve to be in hell, but I'm not going to be there. And there are people in this room who will be in hell because they don't think that they deserve to be there. One of the preachers that I used to preach with quite a bit taught me everything, the little things that I know. I learned it from him. He used to say this. He says that there are people in the room and they're trading a seat in heaven because they don't think that they deserve a seat in hell. Is that you tonight? God is showing us the opposite of what we deserve. We do not deserve his love, but he shows it to us. We do not deserve to be treated this way. But God says this on the authority of his word. He tells you tonight, maybe you've never seen love. Maybe you've never experienced true love from your own father. You can experience it from God himself. Someone who will never fail. Someone who will never leave. Someone who will never treat you like many of the fathers do in this world. Someone who will never abandon you. This is a God who will show you, he will express to you, he will give to you. He has demonstrated to you tonight his own true love. How did he do it? How did he do it? There's a little word right beside the word love. 
And it says this, so, God so loved the world. You know, sometimes we read that verse and we think, God so loved the world, like he loved it that much. He loved it so much. He, he loved the world so much. No, that's not actually what it's saying. When it says so, it means this. He loved the world in this way. This is the way that he loves the world. In what way? In what way? He loves the world like this. That he gave his son. He gave his son. You know, if we had time, we could talk about that, just that word gave, and we could get a lot out of that. Every single one of the words in this verse, you could go in and go deep and deep in this great storehouse, and you can go into the treasure house, and you can bring out things new and old, and you can see more and more and more than you could possibly comprehend or grasp tonight. But I just want to focus on that word. With the limited time we have, I want to look to you. I want to speak to you about that word, son. This is the way that God showed his love. God so loved you. He loved you in this way that he gave his only son. That's what God gave. God didn't just give anything. The, the way I was thinking about it was this. I had this title on my mind. That it was the highest value that could ever be given. The, the greatest gift that could ever be given. That's what comes to mind when I think about the son. When you give people things, you give them things of different value. And God, you could almost say, this is the way it was in actuality. But to help us understand, you could almost say this. God thought to himself. What could I give to these frail, empty, hollow, hell-bound sinners? What can I give? I love them so much. He wants me to look you in the eye and tell you tonight. He loves you so much. That he wanted to give you the most precious thing he had. His son. His own son. There's nothing else in the world that was more precious to God. Nothing else in all of the universe that God could hold up and say, well, my son's good, but this is just a tiny little bit better. The Lord Jesus Christ is the center of all of God's plans. The Lord Jesus Christ is the center of God's own heart. The Lord Jesus Christ is the most important thing in all of the universe that any of us could ever think of. When God himself thinks in his own mind, what has the highest and the greatest value to me? You know what he thinks about? He thinks about his son. And this verse says that God gave his son this wasn't some flippant present. He didn't go to the mall at the last second like we do when we forget about a birthday to pick something out quick so our family members don't get mad. God, as it were, thought long and hard. What has the greatest value in all my great eternal heart? And the conclusion with it was this. It's my son. You know what the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 8? It's a beautiful truth. He says this, if God spared not his own son, how much more will he not give us all things? That's how much he loves you. He didn't spare even his own son. He loves you so much. In this way, he gave his son. He gave his son. What's a value to you tonight? What value are you placing on your soul? What value are you placing on your eternal future? 
What value are you placing on avoiding hell and being with God in heaven? If you want to be saved tonight, if you want to be right with God, it's time to pay attention and get serious. It's time to forget your friends. Forget all those things in your mind that are distracting you, taking you away. All the thoughts and ideas and plans of man that you can hear and that you see on a daily basis. Think about God himself tonight. Get serious. Let's be real. Let's be honest. God wants you to be saved and he's done every single thing that was necessary to do it. What value do you place on your soul? God is a primary actor. But it says here that God so loved the world. And it says that he gave his only begotten son. And then it says that whosoever believeth in him. There's only one way that you can be saved tonight. And it's by believing. There's only one way you can receive the salvation that God wants to give you. It's by trusting him through faith, not of your works, lest any man should boast, but by receiving what God is saying and telling and wanting to give to you. Do you want it? Do you want it? I was reading recently Hudson Taylor's uh, his memoirs. It's just a, he was a missionary many years ago in the 19th century, went over to China, spent his entire life there, sacrificed even his own health, and uh, for many years established different New Testament churches and helped see people saved and so on and so forth. He tells a story as he was going over to China. He said that he was on a boat, and he saw a man that was drowning. And as the man was drowning, he thought to himself, I need to, that man needs to be saved. And he saw a little boat outside, a fishing boat. And he called out to the men. And he said, can you get him? He's drowning. And they said, oh, we want money. Give us some money. We're busy. Give us some money. And he said, I'll give you money. Just go get him. And they said, no, we want the money now. Give us some money. The whole time, this guy's drowning. Arms flailing. A few seconds, right? Time is critical. Okay, I'll get whatever money you want. I'll give it to you. We need this exact amount. Okay, I'll give you the money. Fine. So the guys, reluctantly, they threw the net over the side of the boat. And they dragged it across the area where the man was drowning. They picked him up out of the water, lifeless. Not even a heartbeat. And Hudson Taylor could only think to himself, that man just went into eternity and these men did not care, you'll pardon the expression, didn't care a lick about his soul. You know what? You know what scares me tonight? There's people in the room and you're just like those men in the fishing boat. You're the man in the fishing boat and in the water. Your soul is drowning. You're drowning in sin. You're on your way to an eternity without God. And all you can think about is what you need to do tonight or what you need to do today or what you need to do right now. You couldn't be bothered about your own soul. Do you know what one of the greatest offenses to God is? 
When you shake your fist into God's face, because this is what you do when you reject the word. You shake your fist in his face and you say, even though you gave everything that you ever had, even though you gave the greatest, highest value, the most precious thing that was in your possession, you gave it for me. I don't want it. That's an offense to God. It's an offense to the holy God of eternity. Face up to the facts tonight. Your soul's in the balance. Your eternity is at stake. God has provided everything that you need. And he just says, he just says this. Believe. Believe on my son. Believe what he's done for you. And I will give you, I will give you salvation. Let's look at what the verse says. For God so loved the world. That he gave, what did he give? His only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him. Two more words. Should not perish. Perish. But have everlasting life. There's a man who went out to Argentina many years ago. He worked for Mossad. Mossad is the secret agent squadron of the state of Israel. And at this time, they were looking for Germans who had run over to Germany, to Argentina, to avoid Germany and to avoid the court. They didn't want to be caught, and they didn't want to be taken in and hanged or put in prison or whatever it was that they did with them. They went to Argentina. Lots of Germans in Argentina, people with German ancestry. They could fit in. They could hide. They thought everything was safe. The man that was sent over... He was one of these secret agents who I guess he was one of the best of his class. And as he goes over to Argentina and as he's looking for this man, what they had to do is they had to observe him. And as he observed him, he saw something frightening to him. He saw that he was he's just a normal guy. He was this man who had done all these atrocities and he had killed people in the concentration camps. And he was one who had even done experiments on them and done horrible unsightly things that will give you nightmares. And he looked at this man as he would come home and he'd lift up his little boy and he would see them and watch them through the window and they would be having their dinner meal and just a family, father and son and mother and everything's fine and dandy and normal. The reason why it frightened him was this. He realized something. And I trust you'll realize this tonight as well. Otherwise you'll perish. He realized this. The scariest thing about this whole operation is that there's no difference between me and that man. He saw himself in the man. The man who committed these great crimes against his own people. The man who played a part in the killing of millions and millions of Jews. And he looks him in the face and he says this, I have to admit There's no difference between him and between me. You need to understand something tonight. Unless you recognize the sin that is inside of you, the sin that offends that holy God who gave his son, unless you recognize that sin that is taking you to perish in hell, you'll never be saved. You'll never be saved. You see, these other nights when we're speaking on Romans 3 and and speaking on other passages where we talk about sin, we we don't necessarily want to spend all of our time talking about sin. We'd like to just stand here and tell you about all the glories of the Lord Jesus Christ, and maybe we should spend 
just a little bit more time doing that. It would certainly never hurt. But we need to tell you about this because if you do not get this fact, if you do not get this point, you will never get the sun. You will never get the sun. I want to go to the last word, and it says this, everlasting life. Everlasting life. I feel sorry for you young people. I graduated in 2005, and things were rough and tough. Society wasn't very great, and it's even worse today. I feel sorry for you young people in high school. I feel for those of you even who are just getting into university. You see things on the news, doesn't matter what they are, don't need to mention them. Things are not ideal. It's a tough place to live. It's a tough time to be alive, and it's a tough age throughout your entire life, the teens and going on to young adulthood. People all around you are telling you what your life should be like. Like, this is the kind of life you should have. This is the type of life that you should live. And maybe sometimes you start to believe them. And you start to think that, well, this is what life is all about. I go to school, I go and I do my studies, and then I get my degree or my diploma, whatever it is that you need, and then I'm going to go to vocational school or I'll go to university, and then I'll get my career, and then I'll have my family, and then I'll move on to retirement, and then I'll die in my sleep. And that's life. That's just how it goes. That's not how it happens, friends. That is not the reality of life. This life will end, but you will live on to all of eternity. Your soul will either be in heaven or it will be in hell. The great lie, one of the great lies of Satan is this, that your life is just here. And when you die here, it all ends. My dad always used to tell me that. My grandfather, very sadly, my grandfather used to tell him, well, my dad would say, what happens when you die? Well, when you die, you just go to the grave and that's it. Just like the dogs and the cats, you go to the grave and that is it. You have an eternal soul. That's why it talks about eternal life. You have an eternal soul. It will live on and on and on. And if your soul lives on to be in hell, you will live on with that memory of knowing, I sat on that gospel meeting that night. And many nights before, and perhaps many nights after, I sat in those gospel meetings, and they told me how I could have everlasting life. But now I'm just suffering everlasting death. Death. So the Bible, we saw this in Revelation 20 last week. Do you remember? Death and hell were thrown into the lake of fire, and the Bible calls that not everlasting life in hell. It calls that the second death. And that is what awaits you. You will die. It is appointed unto man once to die, and then comes the judgment. And if you're not saved, then will come the second death. But God promises you. He says you can have eternal life. You can have real life, and you can have it tonight if you trust me. Believe on my son. I gave him to you. He died. He gave his life. And he's alive today and he opens his arms and his arms are open wide and he wants you to come to him. He wants to, if I could say it this way, he wants to embrace you. He wants you to be saved. You know what God's heart wishes? If you put your heart, you know our children, you put your heart on their, their chest and sometimes you feel for their heartbeat. Especially our youngest son. At nighttime, he's in the bed and he didn't really move that much. And you get that thought in your mind, is he breathing? And you put your hand on their back or on their chest and you hear, ba-boom. Ba-boom, ba-boom. And you think, oh, okay, 
He's still breathing. He's still alive. You know, when you put, if you were to put your heart, your hand, sorry, on this verse, you would feel God's heartbeat. Okay? If you were to put your hand on this verse, you would feel God's own heartbeat. God's own son. He gave him for you. God's own son. He died for you. God's own son. He lives today and he lives for you to give you life and to give you eternal life to be with him for all eternity. What are you going to do? How will you respond? What's your reaction tonight? What do you think about all this? I was talking to a lady. I'll finish with this. There's a lady uh, we were speaking to. I was just thinking about her today. This back in Mexico just a little over a year ago. We had a series of meetings. She came out to the meetings. She listened very well. And she listened and she agreed and she wanted to talk. And we talked to her many times. But it was just one night. I asked her a question. And I don't always do this because I don't want to try and give you something that you need to do. And so you can think that, well, once I do this, then I'll be saved. But I asked this question. Have you ever thanked God for his son? Have you ever thanked God for his son? I want to ask you that question tonight. You, sitting in the meeting tonight. You, not saved. You, on your way to hell. You, who does not care about his or her own soul. Have you ever thanked God for his son? You say, well, I thank God for lots of things. I thank God for the sun. Oh, it's kind of cloudy, but, you know, I saw in the forecast the sun's coming. I thank God when the sun comes out. I thank God for my kids. My kids are in school. They're doing well. They're healthy. They're happy. Everything's going well. I thank God every day. I wake up in the morning. Thank God for another day. I thank God. Have you ever thanked God for his son? His son came. He died. God loved you so much. He sent him to die and to die for you. What will you do? How will you react? These great words, they could change your life. Let's read them one more time. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Believe on him and you'll be saved.